same God. You answer prayers back and you will answer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were providing this. You are providing now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You moved in power then. God moved in power now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were a healer then. You are a healer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were a Savior then. You are a Savior. You are the same God. You are the same God. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness, your faithfulness. You freed your captives you're freeing hearts right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You touch the lepers. Then I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. who can part the sea 
thank you that you are a good, good father, that you are still king, that you are still Lord, that you are my Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, God.
you to keep it. We would just trust you to keep it, Jesus. And we would live in the freedom that you want us to be in, Father, free of all of our burdens. Thank you for being so, so good to us, God, for sending your son for an imperfect bride and making us perfect so we can dwell with you in heaven for eternity. Hallelujah. Let's just praise him today. God, you are good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Your ways are higher than our ways. You are perfect, Father. We thank you. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day. All you dads out there, we're so glad to have you here with us this morning. If you would, just go around and greet some of your family of faith.
Amen. It's good to have you this morning. Welcome to church. Good to see you, the live streamers, wherever you're watching us. Good to have you with us this morning. Um, tithe and offering. We'll continue in our worship today. So if you have a uh, tithe and offering this morning, you can prepare that. Offering envelopes are available in the chairs in front of you. If not, uh, Drew down the middle there has offering envelopes. He also has prayer request cards. So if you have a prayer need, please uh, wave, wave your hand around and Drew will get you one of those and, and give it back to him. He'll get those to me. We'd love to join in faith with you and your prayer request. Things we do as a family of faith. Amen. So uh, let me pray over your tithe and offering. So if you have something to give, you can bring it and throw it in these basket bucket thingamajigs we have down here. All right. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come to your house and be in worship this morning to dive into the, the, the scripture a little bit and, and just learn today. But also, Lord, we come uh, giving because of your faithfulness, Lord, and, and you're teaching us so many things about our lives with things that you ask of us, Lord. And as we give today, we know we're being shaped, molded, changed. You are, you are taking us somewhere, and we thank you for that. So I, I pray as we give, it's just another mark in a life of faith of, of trusting you. And we thank you for your always uh, having provision in front of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have something you can bring it this morning, um, while doing that, I do have some announcements. Uh, obviously, the big announcement is VBS is coming like a freight train down the track. So uh, on the chair that you sat on, there was a VBS flyer. You can take that and invite somebody to come out with that flyer. I'm going to give this to Mike in just a second. This is a sign-up sheet for volunteer help for the VBS. So if you have not seen this thing and you want to sign up to help, please do that before you head out uh, so Kenzie can have that. And if you have any questions about VBS, it starts next Sunday night, 6 to 8, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's going to be a great time. Lessons on identity and creation, our identity in Jesus. Games and snacks and petting zoo on uh, Tuesday night, all sorts of stuff happening. It's going to be a great time for your child, preschool through fifth grade. So uh, volunteer questions or questions about the VBS, you may see Kenzie because she's got every single answer to every single question you could ever have about it. So you can see her, okay, and she'll help you out. So Mike's going to make sure that's getting passed around. Also, uh, let me have that real quick. Uh, today's the last day of collection for the Samaritan House a fundraiser with the baby bottles. So uh, if you have those, please get those to Mike also. Um, and then, of course, uh, summer camp for our 5th through 12th graders. Uh, it's over at in, uh, Campus St. Mary's. That's July 13th to 15th. If you haven't seen the registration uh, for that, please see me, and I'll get you connected with that. And I think, am I missing anything? Happy Father's Day. I'm, how many dads we got in the house? Let me see dads in the house. Amen. You, listen, listen, you're doing a good job. Now, I understand you're not perfect. I figured this out a long time ago about parenting. It, it didn't take very long until I realized, oh, I've made a mistake. So you're not perfect. I get it. But you're doing a good job. And, and the best thing you can do is raise your children in the light of Jesus Christ. Be an example in your home. Bring them to church. And still rhythms of, of Jesus in their life. That's the best thing you can do. And everything else will flow out of that. Amen? And by the way, if you're, if you're a guy but you're not a dad yet, we love you too. So we're glad you're a part of our church. And sometimes we do this stuff and there's single people or whatever. They kind of, ah, we never have something that we get recognized for. Well, today's your day. So 
We appreciate you also. And I know we have families out doing dad stuff today, visiting dads and things like that. So I love when they do that. So uh, we'll see them back with us next week. But anyways, it's good to have you today. So if you got your Bibles, uh, Matthew chapter 28. We've been in a series on uh, discipleship. Oh, I didn't even say this. By the way, thanks for everybody who came out and helped us yesterday. So we, we did so much yesterday. Every, every list... Uh, that we had project that we, we took care of it. We uh, painted, we planted, we, I don't know what else we do, weeded, we cleaned carpet, we organized. There was so much happening. I appreciate uh, everybody who came out and helped us yesterday. Don't worry, there's another list. There'll be, there'll be another day. So, uh, but we, we knocked it out yesterday, and I love that. So I uh, appreciate you uh, taking time yesterday morning. Anyway, Matthew 28, a series on discipleship. Uh, to be a disciple of Jesus, question is, do you really trust him? That, that's massive in this big picture. Do you trust him? Because you, when, when, you, when you follow Jesus, that's discipleship. When you follow Jesus, you're giving your whole self to him. Or at least, at least that's what's supposed to be happening. But ultimately, the question is, giving your whole self to him, do you trust him with your whole self? That, that's the big question. Because ultimately, remember, and I don't want to recap too much, but discipleship, the main thrust of discipleship, because the main thrust of salvation is reconciled relationship, that's the main thrust of salvation. Then the main thrust of discipleship is to get to know him because relationship's been restored. That's the basis of discipleship. You can talk about discipleship in a whole lot of different ways, but ultimately, here and now, discipleship is learning to get to know my Savior. That's why we follow him. And then things that happen because of that, yeah, they're, they're byproducts of it, but we are called to know him and live life with him. And, and you can't do it part way. You can't do it halfway. You can't do it three-quarters way. Discipleship is total life commitment, but that's why you have to trust him. Because re remember, this is what we were talking about last week. Um, cheap grace is when you want the benefits of a savior, but you don't really want life change. You, you want a, a kingdom without a king. You want a savior without a king. You, you want salvation stuff, but you don't want Lord of your life stuff if that makes sense. But total life commitment is submitting to a life of actually following him. That's discipleship. And you can't do that part way. When we talked about the narrow road and the wide road last week, you, can, you can't live discipleship with feet on both. They're not close enough together you can do that. Because if you got your foot on the wide road, let me just tell you, both feet are actually on it. You're not, you're not fooling anybody. Okay? So we're called to follow him. The goal of discipleship isn't that Jesus just whisked you away to heaven. Yeah, yeah that, that's all there. But the goal of discipleship is to know him here and now. And then knowing him, how does that change my life? Because he doesn't leave you as you are. See, God accepts you exactly as you are right now, but he doesn't leave you there. That's the thing. That's where we kind of get it messed up a little bit. Oh, Jesus just loves you just as you are. Yep. But he's not going to leave you just as you are. Don't, don't miss that point. Then he said, okay, I love you. I died for you. I'll forgive you. But here's the narrow road. 
You, you, you want to come along? That's discipleship. Now, what I wanted to do, I want to uh, look at discipleship in a different aspect today, okay? So I want you to uh, think along with me as, as we do this today. So Matthew 28 and verse number 18, we know this is the Great Commission, and, and I think a lot of you are familiar with this, but I want to talk about something that Jesus brings up here. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Now, because that has happened, go. And when you go, here's a couple things to do. Make disciples and do it in all nations. And then baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in that whole business, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, now watch this, as you go, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, we brought that up not long ago. But we like to, that the last song we were singing today about him bearing our loads, and in your darkest times, that song is saying that he bears your loads. You can say, in my darkest times, Jesus is with me, because he's with me until the end of the age, right? But you realize when he says that, he's talking that in the context of when you go, to make disciples and to baptize, I'm with you when you do it. Don't forget that. That's really the context of I'm with you always, right? But I want to talk to you today about baptism. And I think it's important because worldwide, across denominations, across all spectrums of the Christian faith, there are two things that the church holds in concert together. Water baptism and communion. They do the call the two sacraments of the church. And we practice water baptism. We, we practice communion in our church. And I want to talk to you about these things because I want you to see them in the light of discipleship. What does water baptism have to do with discipleship? That's today. And, and here coming up, we're going to talk about what does communion have to do in light of discipleship? We're going to talk about it. These are things that we do. These are things that, again, we have in common with Christian worldwide. So you, you can go to different churches, and they have all sorts of formats and modes of operation about how they do church. So we were singing songs. You may go to a church that has liturgy instead. Or they may sing hymns, right, versus more of the, I want to say, contemporary stuff that we do, whatever you want to say. Modes of operation, you, you could see uh, ministers that wear robes, I don't. They could wear the clerical collar, I don't. Okay? You see some churches where they got the communion table in the middle, but the pulpit's over here, so they're reminding you that this is central, not the speaker. I agree with that, but we don't do that. You, all modes of operation, right? But there's a couple things you're going to find in common with all of them. Water baptism and communion. So you, you could bring one of the disciples from the time of Jesus and put him in our church, and he'd be looking around going, oh, my, what is happening here? Not that it's bad, but it wouldn't be familiar to him. But if we said, hey, we're going to have water baptism, he'd go, oh, I know that. Or we bring the, the bread and the cup, he'd go, oh, I know that. These are institutions of the church that we practice that have been instituted by Jesus, and they carry on to today, and they cross all denominational boundaries. So I want to talk to you. What, what does baptism have to do with discipleship? Let's talk about that today. 
And by the way, um, our rhythm is a church rhythm. We're establishing the first Sunday of every month is Water Baptism Sunday. That, that's just what we want to do. So uh, we'll talk more about you getting connected with that at the end today. But how many of you have been water baptized? Let me see. Do you remember it? Do you remember it? You know what I remember about my water baptism? Not much. I just remember I was like fifth grade or sixth grade. I remember it was a lake in a place called Mount Gretna in Pennsylvania. That, that, what I sort of remember about it. Uh, but we practice this because it actually means something. And whether or not you remember the details of it or not, baptism is significant to discipleship. Let me, let me talk to you about what water baptism is. I'm just going to lay a foundation. I know you guys know this, but let me put this back in your heart. Before Jesus, you remember John the Baptist was baptizing people for the repentance of their sins, right? This is sort of significant because John, as, being, as he started to be seen as a prophet, he was offering repentance and a purification rite involving water outside of the temple system. That was sort of a big thing. In other words, he was laying, as the Bible says, he was laying the way straight for the Lord because now Jesus ultimately is the fulfillment of all those things, but then he offers it outside of it. Thank goodness we don't have to live by the temple systems any longer. Amen. John the Baptist sort of started that deal. But Jesus comes and he continues this idea of water baptism as being baptized himself, by the way. But water baptism is literally immersion into water. That word baptized means immersion. A symbolic act of the old man, not saved, not born again, not regenerated, going into the water, right? And there's the idea of the uh, water symbolic of the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration, coming out new man saved, old man gone, new man come. Amen. So in this, as we'll see in a couple minutes here, we are baptized literally into Christ's death and then raised to new life. And, and, and this is sort of a layered way of looking at it because you are in new creation resurrected right here, correct? Right now. But it's also layered because we're awaiting an actual physical resurrection. So, so it's sort of layered in the understanding of baptism. But what happens by the work of the Spirit is now symbolized in the water baptism, baptized in the Christ's death and raised to new life. So again, water sort of represents the work of the Holy Spirit, the purifying agent. And, and by the way, you can see this is, if you want to jump into this stuff on your own, you can see how it is rooted into some uh, uh, Israeli uh, purification rituals that in, involve water and things like that. But also with that, the church has always seen water baptism as the right of entry into the community of the Christian faith. In other words, the, the body of Christ. And the early church, by the way, they never viewed water baptism flippantly. Oh, let's just throw people in the river over here. They took it pretty seriously. They, they, the people that were going to be water baptized had to confess certain things and, and commit to certain things and dedicate to certain things. And it was, it was, it was kind of a big deal. But they saw it as entry into this community of believers that would gather together. 
So it is an outward expression, an outward confession of inward salvation and new birth. And it is a witness to not only yourself, but those who see it of a confession of faith. In other words, it marks you out. You can't be a closet Christian and water baptism make sure. Think about that. Now, I'm going to say something. So, in certain circles of the church, altar calls have become the public confession of faith. Now, I'm not against that stuff, by any means. But sometimes the altar call where we have people come forward in front of people, we have de-emphasized water baptism. Because scripturally, public confession of faith is not an altar call, it's water baptism. So that's why I don't always do altar calls. But we're always asking for water baptism. Because scripturally, it marks you out. And it involves a physical act. So if you notice... Water baptism and communion both involve something physical and tangible, water and the bread and the cup. You know why? Because it's letting you know this is not just a spiritual venture. It involves real life, real time, all of your being now. So we mark you out by immersing you in water, and we continually, in remembrance, take the bread and the cup together. Sacraments of the church. So, again... Water baptism, baptized into Christ, baptized into a body of believers. What happens, by the way, baptisms would be public. So I've had people in the past ask me, hey, can you baptize me privately? I always say no. I've, I've been invited to people's houses where they have a swimming pool. They say, you just baptize me in my pool? I always say no. Because baptism, again, is supposed to be a public venture with the community of believers. Because what happens is when you are baptized into a body of believers, everybody who's here watches somebody be baptized, in your heart you go, oh, now we've invited somebody into our family of faith. We've, we've made another place at the table of fellowship, and now we're going to help them. Because you're not meant to do this alone, and you should not try. It's possible, but it's not a good idea. Jesus calls us together as a church for a reason, not only worldwide, but also locally in, in gatherings like this this morning. So baptism marks you out. You are making a public confession of something you say, not only you believe, but what has happened to your life. So Romans chapter number 6, let's look at a couple uh, passages of Scripture here. Romans chapter 6. Now we'll get to what this has to do with discipleship in, in a couple moments, but bear with me. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1. Great letter to the, to the Roman church from the Apostle Paul. It says, what shall we say then? So, so Paul's dealing with a, a question that he here is kind of flying around the church. Now remember, uh, the Roman church was the only uh, place that Paul sent a letter to that he was not involved in the establishing of the church. So Thessalonians, uh, Ephesians, Colossians, he, was, he had hands on, but Romans, it, it didn't. he was planning on going there. 
all right? His reputation precedes him with his, his letter as an apostle. And, and he's, a, he's addressing some things that, that are going on. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so grace may abound? So the question is, well, grace always abounds where there's sin, so I guess if I want a lot of grace, I can just keep on sinning. Now, we think that's silly, but it's stuff that's happening in the church, right? And Paul responds, obviously, very strongly, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So, so what does that mean? So I have died to sin, yes, and that, that has happened in my salvation, correct? But Paul gives the example of a way to see it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, talking about water baptism, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from, from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. Baptized into his death, buried in the water, symbolically, and brought to new life when we're brought out. That's what baptism symbolizes. And what Paul is saying there, look, do you understand that in your salvation, you have died to sin. Now, is, is sin dead? No, but you've died to it, right? So we don't stay in sin, but what discipleship is, is walking in the newness of life. Okay. Christianity is not a status. It is, but it's not the end of the story. I am saved. That's a status, Right? I have been marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. That's the status, right? But those don't sit on the couch because you have a status. You've been called to walk in the newness of life. That's discipleship. And baptism marks you. It says, it symbolizes, I am dead to sin. And now, because I'm dead to sin, I'm going to work out what it means to be in repentance and as to walk in the newness of life. That, that's repentance, is it not? I repent. I ask for the forgiveness of my sin. Okay. But then what? Am I to stay in sin? So I can come back and say, I need more grace? So I can just stay in sin and just come back and I need more grace? Uh, Repentance is not just the receiving of the work of grace, forgiveness, but now I'm afforded the opportunity to walk in the newness of life. Did you know your water baptism symbolized that? It was marking you out for that, right? Look at another one. Galatians chapter number 3. By the way, Lila is just about ready in, in any moment now to leave for a mission trip. Is that correct? She's hooking up with the, uh, the Botkins uh, youth campus and heading out. So they're going to pop up a minute and leave. They're not quitting the church, okay? They're taking Lila to her mission trip. So uh, how about this? On the way out the door, a couple of you grab her and pray for her as she's going while I'm still speaking. That's okay. All right? Make sure we do that. All right, anyways, Galatians. Chapter 3, I'm sorry. Galatians chapter 3, 
and they're going to West Virginia, right? Doing some missions work there. Amen. All right. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, now watch this, because there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you're also uh, Abraham's offspring, heir to the promise. So our salvation is by faith. Water baptism doesn't make you saved. It's symbolic of your salvation. We're saved by faith. We're, we're brought into this family of Jesus. Heirs to promise. We're in him. There's no uh, ethnic boundaries. There's no uh, social boundaries. Even, even male and female, there's no boundaries. In him, we're all one. Baptism symbolizes that. You know that? Because you're baptized into Christ Jesus, therefore you've been clothed with him. And that being clothed with him, it's another way of saying you're sort of enveloped by him. You have a new existence by which you can live a new life. So in baptism, you outwardly embrace this. So what does this have to do with discipleship? So here's the deal. So I think I got Christian back there. Christian, if you'll throw that slide up for me, please. Discipleship is the ongoing life of baptismal identity. That's what discipleship is. What water baptism symbolizes that happened to you, when you come out of that water, you are basically saying, I have a brand new identity in this life. And the discipleship is living out that identity which you, you grabbed hold of in front of the witness of the church that this is who I am. And I'm going to move forward in this new identity. It, it's, like, it's like Saul to Paul. It's like Cephas to Peter. You, you are changed. Amen. Part of your identity in living discipleship is what we were saying. You are now in the family of faith. That's what your baptism says. So it don't matter your ethnic background. I'm Swiss-German. That, my last name is Boozer-German. I mean, come on. That's, just, that's a straight shot, all right? Uh, it, it don't matter your ethnic background. It don't matter if you were born in this country or you became a citizen later. We're, we're here together. It don't matter your skin color. We're here together. And in him, there's no differences. We're the same. That, that's a new identity. You, you have a new family. Baptism says that. And we are to be, in a certain way of understanding the church, a body together, a family of Jesus. We could say it a lot of different ways. But part of your identity is, I am the church. And this is my family. So that's why this is important. Now, Lila's heading on a mission trip somewhere. I've taken a lot of trips overseas. I've been in churches in other countries, uh, Ecuador, Honduras, Africa. I've, I've been all over the place, right? And I've been with the church in other places. And you know what? 
When I was there, I didn't understand a thing they were saying. I preached in places with a translator because they don't know what I'm saying, right? They're my family. Because it crosses the body. Remember, one of the things about the kingdom of God is no longer regulated to just the actual physical borders of the promised land. Now it's whoever would believe us worldwide. Amen? So you're in a family. Remember that. Because when you're, when you're not involved in the family, a good family misses you. Right? Let me tell you, tell you something. Pastor of the church, I will not beg you to come to church. I will, not, I will not chase you down the road two miles. If you start running away from me, I'll just say, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you. The door is open. That's just what I do. But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, man, there's part of our body running down the road. What are they doing? That's your identity. You know that? That's why water baptism public, not private. It's for the family of faith. So your identity is, I am in the body of Christ. I am a child of God. I am an heir to Abraham's promise. You can think of it a lot of different ways that the scriptures point to it. So that's one way. And, and here's the other way then. It is then that identity to absolute positive new life. See, have you ever had somebody try to bring up your past to you? Anybody? So I remember the first time I decided to give my life to Jesus, I was in like seventh grade. It didn't last, but I tried, okay? It was all on me. I'll never forget, I'm riding the bus to school. And whatever happened at youth group the night before, right? I decided I'm going I'm to live for Jesus. And the same old guys were sitting with me. I wasn't all the way in the back of the bus. I wasn't that cool or old enough to be there, but I was over the wheel well almost. So I was semi-cool, all right? So, and I remember just telling my friends, guess what, guys? I'm not going to cuss anymore. And just looking at me like, what? And you know what they tried to do from then on? Try to get me to swear. They hit me, throw stuff at me. You know what I'm saying? People, people have a tendency to want to bring your past back to you. But you know what you get to say? That's not me any longer. As a matter of fact, I did something that shows that I was water baptized. Your baptism says that. Your baptism said, that's not me any longer. The enemy likes to bring your past back. How many times you failed? How many times you messed up? He, he, likes, to, he likes to get in your brain a little bit. You know what you get to say to the devil? That's not me any longer. I've died to that. I've been raised to new life. Now, you're saying, but, but I make mistakes. I get it. So when you make your mistake, then you go, that's not me any longer. And I'm going to work this through with the help of the Holy Spirit. I have been made new. And it's marked by water baptism. That's why you start with it. By the way, that's, that's why it's a one-time event. We consistently take communion until the Lord comes again. That's what the Bible said. But baptism is a one-time deal. Because you only need made brand new one time. 
Is that right? Well, I made mistakes. I get it. You live in the mercy and grace of God, but one time you were made brand new. And discipleship is now working out what it means to live in that new life. Amen. You blessed, Lila. Have a good trip. So you can, you can be reminded and you can remind yourself that you were baptized. So, so, so to me, so to me, uh, one of the ways that I can bring somebody back to a way of understanding their faith is, you were water baptized, right? Yep. Tell me what that meant. Okay. Well, that's you. From, from the time you were water baptized till now, whatever happens in between, unless you have forsaken the faith and walked away from him, guess what? This is still true of what happened to you. And it hadn't changed. The ups and the downs, the failures and the mess-ups and all the stuff that, that happened, your identity is still marked by that water baptism. And what you're doing is, in a very ups and down and, and working it out in life, you are living out your baptismal identity that you proclaim when you were water baptized. That's discipleship. And you can always come back to your mind and remember that moment. That's why, that's why it's an actual physical thing that you did. To remember. Amen. So who are you in Jesus? Think about it. Who are you? What has your salvation afforded you? You remind yourself about that sometimes. So, again, I am a child of God. That's who I am. I am, I am a new creation. I am an heir to the promise of Abraham. Amen. Actually, if, if, if I involve myself, I am not alone. I am marked, sealed with the Holy Spirit. I am... Well, now I feel like it's sometimes dead to sin. Again, there's so many different ways the Bible talks about this. Different examples, different analogies. But that's who you are. And the moment you got dunked in, in whatever you did, mine was in the lake, we used a little water and trough, whatever that thing is. However it happened, that is saying... This is what really happened. And, and you bring yourself back to these moments and understanding this stuff. It's all right. I was going to say hi, Rhett, but here he goes. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Now, did you do that by yourself? No. So it also reminds you that in all these things, I am dependent upon the Holy Spirit. 
I am dependent upon his power. I am dependent on following him. I am dependent on what he's doing. Because my identity cannot be separated from him. Because, remember what Paul says, I am in him, I am closed with him, it is him. That's why I know I can be dead to sin. That's how I know I can live a new life. That's how I know I can function in this body properly, because of him. And I remind myself of that too. So I'm living life in discipleship, in trust to following Jesus to really know what it means to have new life. That's what it's about. And your baptism signified that. Start of a journey, amen? Look at how many of you remember your water baptism? Let me see. That's what we're saying to you. So every time from this day forward we water baptize somebody on those first Sundays, whenever they pop up, just know at the church, we're like, okay, we're here for you. Your ups and downs, thicks and thins, ebbs and flows, good times, bad times. We're here. We're not leaving. We're going to help you, right? That's body. That's our commitment. That's what we're about. Some of, some of, you, have, some of you have been in the church for a long time. Some of you, you've been in church so long that 90% of the messages you hear at some point, somewhere, somehow, you've heard it before. Right? Do you realize when you're like that, your role is to help those coming behind you? That's why church isn't just about you. It is, but it's not. If you've been in a church a long time, I could ask you the question, who are you helping that's coming behind you? Who are you grabbing hold of? Who are you checking in on? You've, you've been doing this whole new baptismal identity for a while. Now I need to help somebody else, right? That's, that's the role of the church. That's what we do. Amen? Let's live this identity. Let's remember who we are. It's not, it's not prideful, not arrogance, but who we are in him. Amen? And let's live this new life together. In this together, growing together, helping one another. Amen? Okay. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for new life. We thank you for this grace that, that is giving us what we need to live life as you have called us to live it. Well, I pray that at times it gets hard, we remember who we are. Even if we got to remember that moment of baptism, that what that marked, what that signified. Lord, we want to do this in the way that you are leading us to do it. Not on our terms, but on your terms, on your way. We want to. So we ask for your help once again. We ask for your help. Lord, when we go through the, these, these things that we do as a church, 
consistently that are part of how we operate, Lord, that, that our minds are clipped to, to reasons why. Not just things that we do, but there's significance to them. Mark moments in our lives, in, in these moments. I thank you for that. That you're showing us and you're teaching us something. Well, I pray for anybody here today that just have moments of struggle with the life that they're wrapped up in right now. Lord, you help them. Encouragement for their hearts. Strength for them. Double portion of wisdom. Lord, for those that, that, that have actually started to become detached from the family of faith, we just, we just pray that, that you draw them home. Lord, that they understand, they begin to know the importance of the gathering of believers. Holy Spirit, help them. Lord, for each one of us today that, that we are being led by the Spirit, guided by him, that, that the voice of the Spirit is not just this still small voice, but it's clear to us. We would discern his voice in the midst of all the, the noise of this world, to hear him clearly. And that we will be people of mandate, that we will listen, we will submit, obey, and, and live by that leading. Not just to hear, but to live. That we are a light in this world because we're on this journey of living a new life. Thank you for that. So today you are worthy of our praise, honor, we glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, real quick, if you have not ever been water baptized, I think almost everybody, but if you haven't, love to take care of it. Because, it's, it's, again, it's not your salvation, but it is obedience. Let me know, and, and we will get it scheduled and get it done as a church, and we will celebrate. Amen? All right. Well, have a wonderful Father's Day. Be blessed as you go. We will see you Wednesday and next Sunday morning.
Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had It's your